All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, as I prayed, a lot of our women are uh, up at the retreat um, this weekend. Over 100 women uh, gone at, at the retreat. Uh, how many of you guys are, uh, are got your kids here alone here this service? Let me show you a show of hands. Let me congratulate you. Good job. All you ladies are like, please, give me a break. I do it every week. Um, it's funny, I've, I've been watching on Facebook, a lot of the guys just sort of sharing their testimonies about, you know, uh, what they did and, you know, preparing dinner and some of the guys, you know, posting pictures of the kids waking them up at oh dark 30 yesterday morning and, you know, going through all of, all of the experiences and, um, and it's interesting, I, I just seen these guys overwhelmed by their kids, it reminded me of a story I'd heard about a guy who took all of his kids shopping. And they're tag teaming, and you know, as your kids do at the, at the grocery store. And the one kid, the two-year-old, is just, he will not obey. He's, he's just twisting every way south, man, and he's just, you know, completely just ruining this guy's sh- <coughs> shopping experience, like we enjoy shopping that much anyway. And, um, and so he's just, he's just an obedience nightmare, man, this kid. And so finally, the kid's throwing his umpteenth, you know, temper tantrum because, you know, he's, he's been disobedient again and the dad's, you know, dealing with him. And so the father's there. He's just talking. He's like, now, George, just calm down, George. George, just, you know, get a hold of yourself, George. Now, George, you know, you just need to, you need to keep a lid on it, George. And this lady walks by and she's like, oh, you're, you're being so wonderful to little George. He's like, lady, I'm George. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you that story by way of introduction because we're in Ephesians chapter 6 and it's dealing with, you know, children and, and teaching them to obey. And that's the trick, isn't it? Teaching our kids to obey. Now, some of you here, you're, this is in your wheelhouse. You're in the season where, hey, we're going to go through a message and we're going to be learning about children obeying and the exhortation for children to obey. And, uh, and so there's, you're like, you know, I'm going to take lots of notes here and this is going to be beneficial. Some of you are past that season of life. Some of you are before this season of life. You don't have kids yet. But, but here's what I would say by way of exhortation, um, jumping into this, that as we get into the, to the text today, God's word uh, has a lot to say to us. And so if this is your wheelhouse, take notes and, and apply them. If this is not in your wheelhouse and you're like, well, gosh, this, this doesn't exactly apply to me in this season of life that I'm in, hey, it's still God's word. It's important that we should know this. Uh, we're exhorted in Scripture that we're to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, that we're as iron sharpens iron, so one man is to sharpen the countenance uh, of, of, of his friend. And so uh, we have this, this needfulness in the body of Christ to exhort one another and to, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so it's imperative that we know God's word and that we can encourage one another in it. And so, you know, maybe you're a grandparent here today. I would say learn this, take this in so that you can properly counsel and advise your children and your grandchildren. Uh, and, you know, if you're pre-children, take some notes and get prepared on, uh, on how to, to raise an obedient child. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, we continue, and here it says, six, Ephesians 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with you, um, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, 
Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Children obey. That's the big idea here as we, as we get into the text. You know, this is one of only a few verses in the Bible that is di- addressed directly to children. Um, and, uh, you know, we see Exodus chapter 20, Colossians chapter 3, here Ephesians chapter 6, all speak directly to children, and all, interestingly enough, are themed on this issue of obedience. Children, obey your parents. They all, they all center on this one thing. Here's why. Teaching your kids to obey is, is foundational to everything else that they will do. Teaching them to, to obey is the, the single most important thing that you can do with children is that you instruct them and teach them how to obey. It's foundational to everything else that we do in life. Uh, because the Christian life hinges on obedience. The psalmist declares, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? But teaching them to obey, that's the trick, isn't it? Right? Teaching, teaching them to obey. I, I, I remember um, years ago, I, uh, I have a dog, uh, his name's Bentley. Little Cavalier King Charles, just a you know, cute little dog. And we, when we first got him, we went to Halama, uh, which is a beach in uh, northern Santa Barbara County. And this is the, we love going up there. We go uh, to Halama Beach. You know, I haven't been there in, in years, but we used to go there all the time when the kids were younger. And uh, it's one of the few beaches in California where you can actually go for a walk for like two or three hours on the beach and not encounter, encounter another person. Uh, it's just amazing. So I, I've got my dog there and, you know, walk him down to the beach and I decide I'm going to take him off his leash. And so I take Bentley off his leash. He's like, He's gone, man. He is just running down the beach. And I'm, you know, it's, it's this desolate place, and he's just going. I'm, like, calling after him, and he's, he's just going, tongue hanging out of his mouth, you know. I, pretty soon I start running after the, the dog. And, uh, and he's just becoming just a faint dot on the horizon. Pretty soon he's gone. I'm, and I'm thinking, how am I going to tell my wife I just lost her dog, you know? And, and I'm, I'm like running, thoughts running through my head like, you know, how, just how far down is this dog going to go down the beach? And so, you know, I'm panicked. And as I'm looking, all of a sudden this little dot starts coming back towards me. And now he's running towards me. So it's like, you know, which way are you going to go to grab this stupid dog, you know? And uh, so finally, you know, the dog runs up to me. What did I do? I put him back on his leash, right? That's the last time I've taken that dog off his leash outside. See, and a lot of us, we approach parenting that way. We think, well, I'm going to keep my kid on a leash. I want to keep them restrained. I want to keep them protected. You know, we'll teach parenting classes here. One of the things that I like to tell parents when I'm teaching the parenting class is that, you know, your children are going to grow up. And, and, and what is going to happen is you will discover, and I remind them, listen, I'm a guy who's telling you this, who's raised three kids to adulthood, they've all grown up, they've all moved out, and so here's what you need to know, that that feeling of uh, peace and security, you know, that you guys will get this, when, when, you're, when your kids are home and they're all in their rooms and you lock the door at night, there's just a feeling of, of peace and security, like everything's as it should be. 
Everybody's where they should be and you lock the door. Can I tell you, when your kids get older, and it's a very surreal moment when that first time you lock that front door and your child's outside and he's not inside. That is a come to Jesus moment, baby. That is a moment where you know a new level of fear. I don't know how people survived without cell phones before. I mean, I, I, you know, somebody once said to me when my kids are younger, they're like, all your kids have cell phones? I'm like, yeah, and it's worth every single dime, you know? You call me, you tell me where you're at, you tell me when you're com- coming home, you know, I want, it, I want the communication kind of thing. And, and what happens is, is that you will learn very quickly when your kids grow up, when you lock that door and they're outside the door and they're not inside, you will learn very quickly just how good of a job you did as a parent. Um, you know, my, my wife was, was talking to somebody and they were talking about how, you know, they would um, get their kids and, and all. And, and my wife said, that's nothing. And she told this story about how there was this, uh, she was outside in a public setting and this lady's wrestling with her five-year-old. Literally, physically wrestling this five-year-old to get her, to get him to, to obey her. And, uh, and my wife was like, you know, that works when he's five. But that's not going to work so well when he's 15, you know. She's not going to be able to wrestle this kid like this. You have to be able to, to teach your children how to obey so that when they get older, they will be on that proper path and you can lock that door with, with a, a sense of peace in your heart. Very, very super important. And see, here's the dilemma. We live in a society where, man, increasingly we are seeing disobedience on the rise, especially in kids. Uh, there was one study that, uh, and it was a 1997 U.S. Department of Education study. And, um, and this study concluded that 36, now this is generated by the Department of Education. 36% of public high school teachers reported moderate to serious drug use among students. 36%. And 57% reported moderate to severe discipline problems, including... Rape, sexual battery, assault with a deadly weapon, robbery, larceny, and drug trafficking. 57%. Now, mind you, this study is about 16 years old. Can you, can you imagine what the, what the statistics are, are like today, right? And this is the world that we're releasing our children into. And, and you're, you're like... No, I'm not, <laughs> you know. Yes, someday you're going to have to. And so, again, it becomes so incredibly incumbent upon us that we're going to raise our children and we're going to teach them how to obey. And so the exhortation is, children, obey your parents. And, you know, Paul, he adds, you know, here, look, he, the fifth commandment, honor your, your father and your mother. And then he points out, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And again, that goes to everything we've just been talking about, where obedience is foundational to, to our development as, as Christians, certainly to children's development and preparation to, to become adults. So, uh, you know, all of that, you know, definitely uh, the case. But notice in verse 4 that Paul addresses the fathers. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training in the admonition of the Lord. Now, this uh, is in context to what Paul has been saying. Remember, as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we've been looking at how we live in a, in a, a response where we're supposed to be submissive to God. 
And, and the whole idea of this book, Paul's talking about, you know, the, the, the rich blessings that we've received in the Lord. Just the, the abundance of, of wealth that we have in Christ and now the responsibility that we have to walk in Christ. And so we've been looking at this issue of submission, how we're supposed to live submitted to the Lordship of, of Christ. And, and, and so we looked at, at wives and your roles to honor the Lord and be submitted to the Lord by being submitted to your husbands. And we looked at the husband's role, and this is the biblical role, about the husband is to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And we looked at last week about how that really has to do with you husbands living submitted to the Lord so that you can love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so this is keeping in that whole idea here where Paul now transitions talking about the role of children, but he brings it right back, dads, to you. Because ultimately, teaching your children to obey, it sits right squarely in your lap. It's, it's your responsibility to teach your children how to obey. And, and, and again, this is, this is that issue that, that we have to, to look at. So, you know, now this is not to say that, that the mom gets to skate, that if you've got a disobedient you know, child that, you know, the mom can just take her hands off the, the child altogether and say, well, that's your department. Yeah, it, it's your department, men, as leaders. You have to take the initiative and make sure that it's happening, and ultimately, it's, it's your responsibility, but obviously, it's the husband and wife together uh, that, that, that have to do that, and dads, here's what I would tell you, is that you, you set the tone in your home. You set the tone in your home, and so it's going to you know, sit right squarely uh, in, uh, on your shoulder. See, and I see this all the time. Often when you've got a disobedient child, or if you've got a huge disobedience problem among the children, it comes back to an absentee father. So much of our delinquency problem in, in our schools has to do and is traced back directly attributable to the fact that there are single moms, so many single moms raising children without the role uh, of a father being, being large and in charge and, and, and showing oversight. And here's what else I would say. Dads, you, you can be absent in more ways than one. You, you can be absent from your kids' lives. You can be there, but not there. You know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever had your wife say to you, you're never home, and even when you are home, you're not home, right? And, and, and this is, you know, an issue a lot of times when it comes to, to kids. So to, case in point, I'm, you know, studying for the message, and so I, I, I'm going out, and I'm and refinishing uh, some, some chairs for my wife. I wanted, you know, to kind of, it's not so much a surprise she knew that it was coming, but she's gone at the women's retreat, and I wanted to bless her when she came home, and so I'm refinishing all these chairs, 20 27 cans of spray paint. I'm like, you know, loopy right now, you know? <laughs> but I'm, I'm going down, and I, clear, I cleaned out three different stores of this one particular shade of, of spray paint. So if you're looking for, for, for uh, brushed uh, bronze spray paint, and you can't find it, it's at my house. So... Um, Anyway, so I'm, I'm going, I'm cleaning all these stores out. So yesterday, I'm driving around. I'm driving all over town. I had occasion, unfortunately, to see many examples of, of absentee fathers. And the saddest example, I'm, I'm in Lowe's, cleaning them out of paint, and there's this guy there that, you know, his, his kid, you know, he's, he's got, you know, wife and a couple of kids, and the one, his son, says to him, Dad? And he says it just like that. And the father's like, Totally not, not listening to him, you know? Dad? Hey, Dad? Dad? 
What? What do you want? You know, like, you know, this was literally his response. It, it startled me. I'm there, I'm all of a sudden, I hear this guy like, what? What do you want? And I look up at this guy. He's just nasty to his kid. Now, what message is he sending to his kid? Here's the message he's sending to his kid. Is he, the message is, you're bothering me. Messages, you're not important to me. You know what you are? You're just, you're just somebody that I don't want to be around, that I don't really care about, that I don't want to have anything to do with. What do you need? You know, I guarantee you this guy's nicer to, to a, you know, a, somebody calling him to sell something on the phone than he is to, to this child that, you know, he's given birth to. Dads, you can be absent in more ways than one. And so, you know, the, God, what he does is he links this issue of obedience to the fathers and to your role. And, and what, you know, he, he says is, look, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but, you know, you raise them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now, if you're given to note-taking, you can, you can take a look at that word provoke there in verse 4. You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. You might want to circle that. Uh, nearby, you could write this, you could write the word exasperate. That's literally what that word means. Now, so what this is not saying is that in the course of your instruction of your kids, in the course of your raising your kids, if you, if you cause them to be in a place where they cry, uh, that, you know, you necessarily have done something wrong. You know, oftentimes, just when you tell a child no, they will cry or they will throw a temper tantrum and there is a correction process. That's not what that, that word provoke means and that idea of exasperating your, your children. No, it means several things. First of all, what it means is that you treat your children with loving tenderness. Treat your children with loving Tenderness. Again, in my travels yesterday, I'm at the gas station, a dad filling up his car, his, his, his two-year-old son in the back seat is crying. And you know, there's different types of cries. There's the, there's the I'm a brat cry, there's the, you know, I hurt myself kind of cry, and then there's just the broken-hearted kind of cry. Now, you know, you can tell the difference. I'm a, you know, I'm a father of three kids, I've got six grandchildren, and I'm hearing this, this little kid cry in the back seat. His dad's flat out ignoring him. Just completely ignoring him. He's there, you know, at the gas station, and he's and he's filling up the car, and and, and I'm like, dude, you know, a little tenderness, you know, might might be indicated. You're like, oh, well, you don't know what the situation is. No, but I could see that the father just not one word of encouragement to his kid, not one word at all, and and that can be convicting. A lot of times, you know, and again, dads sometimes we're we're disconnected from these kind of things where we just sort of, they just fall on deaf ears. Jesus, speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 11, he said, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Now, interesting, that word yoke, it it literally referred to a harness. And the harness is what, you know, fastens the animal to the, the tool that they pull, like a plow, and, and a yoke is, it, well, here's what it is. It's custom fitted for the ox. It's custom fitted for the animal. See, the idea is, is that the owner will take that animal and, and he'll handcraft the yoke that goes on the animal and take great care and attention to detail. And what's the attention that he's giving? Well, it's not to the yoke so much as it's to the animal. Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to create something that is so custom-fitted to that animal 
that, and listen, this is it, that it doesn't hurt or harm that animal. So you, as, as a parent, both husbands and wives, but, but men, you know, this is primarily directed to you. You have to be so attentive to your child that, that in regards to the yoke that you're going to place on them. Now, the task that each child is called to do, it, it all comes back to obedience to the Word of God. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute. The compass is set. When I talk about a yoke, I'm not talking about different standards for different kids. They all have the same standard. We all have to perform the same function. But how you craft that that work to that child has to be specifically tailored to that child, just knowing their temperament, just knowing their personality. Again, I have three children, and they all have different personality types. Megan, my oldest, when, when I would discipline her, I would just give her a look. I didn't have to, I didn't have to say, if I spoke, you know, with a firm voice to Megan, she, she would pee her pants. I mean, she would just completely break, you know, fragile, fragile, fragile. Now, my number two child, her sister, born two years after her, Caitlin, she's my strong-willed child. She was, she gave us a run for our money. I wish in hindsight I would have named her Teddy because she is just, you know, just strong-willed and it was, she was always up for a fight, man. And so with Caitlin, I had to be a little bit firm her with her to get her to conform to, to the issue. Scotty, he was just the happy-go-lucky kid, you know, and he was a different one uh, to, to, to get to, to task. The difference is, is that there's differences with each kid. You have to know what those differences are. And so this idea is, man, we need to treat our children with loving tenderness to bring them to the standard that never changes, but they're always different. And so it's a, it's a really, uh, you got to know your kids is what I'm saying. you you got to know. And, you know, we've all heard the saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I'll tell you, that's certainly true with your kids. you got to know them. And they got to know that you know them. And they got to know that you want to get to know them. Not what do you want. Not why are you bothering me. No, they, they, they got to know that you're there, that you're engaged. And I just ask you the question right now. Are you engaged? Are, are you the one? That, I mean, this is just, just you and God. You don't even have to answer me. You don't even have to answer your spouse. Just you alone with the Lord right now. What's your MO? What's, you, what's, what's your response? Are, are you, you, would you fall more in line with get away from me, kid, you bother me kind of attitude? And you might say, well, that's not my heart. That's not my attitude. No, but your actions so often. You get so caught up in the different cares and the concerns of the world. And so often, you know, we, we say our kids are a priority, but when push comes to shove, is that really the way it is? So, so it's important, you, you know, not provoking your kids means that you treat them with loving tenderness, but secondly, not provoking them means that you communicate your expectations. I want to write that down. Communicate your expectations. And, and you know, again, as Paul speaks to the dads here, you fathers do not provoke your children, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That word admonition, it it literally means putting into mind. Putting into mind. So what is this talking about? Putting into their mind? 
Well, what you need to do in putting into their mind, you need to let them understand what it is you're asking them to do, and more importantly, why you're asking them to do it. It's been said that discipline without discipleship leads to disobedience. Discipline without discipleship leads to disobedience. Well, what's the idea there? Well, there's, there's two ends of the scale. This is important stuff. When we're talking about parenting, when we're talking about raising a child to know obedience, there's two different ends of the scale in terms of your parenting approach. On the one end of the scale is a, is a permissive side, and the other end of the scale is, is the authoritative side. Okay, so the permissive parent is just the, you know, the cool dad that just lets his kid do whatever. My wife, growing up in, in high school, she had a, a friend, and her father was the cool dad. He'd buy everybody beer, he'd open his house up to, for the parties, and, and you know, he, he was, you know, that guy on the, the permissive side, not doing his kids any favors, right? The standard goes out the window with the permissive parent. Now, on the other side is the authoritative parent. And, and this, is, this is almost equally as bad, where the, authori- the authoritative parent is the one that fills the kid up with all the rules and, and you, you know, don't do this, don't do that, and they're just Johnny on the spot to, to, to meet out the discipline when they don't, you know, fall to the standard, when they don't obey the rules. The problem with authoritative parenting is that if it's not accompanied by the moral reason why, then what happens is you've just raised a child that's going to be obedient when you're around for the follow-through, but when you aren't around for the follow-through, your child doesn't really understand why morally they should or shouldn't do a particular thing. All they know is that you've demanded that they do this, and if you're not around to, to bring the, the consequences well, then they don't have any internal compass to dictate their, their actions. And so the issue here when we're talking about, look, if you don't want to exasperate your children, what you want to do not only is treat your children with loving tenderness, but you also want to communicate your expectations. Hey, listen, what you want to do is you want to instill within them their own moral compass. And, and this is in, intensely important. The idea here is that what you're going to tell them is, look, this is what you are not supposed to do, and biblically, this is why you're not supposed to do it. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8, which is one of the most important scriptures for parenting, says this, And these words which I command you today, the Lord says, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. See, the idea here, and this is, you know, again, I tell dads this is every chance I get. When, when it pertains to you, you know, a lot of guys are like, oh, I, I got to do a good job of discipling my children. I got to make sure that, you know, I'm teaching them the Bible, that I'm reading the Bible with them, that I'm praying with them, that I'm, you know, instructing them in the things of the Lord. And I say, yes, absolutely, you got to do that. But you, you, you would really do well to consider your delivery. Because a lot of guys, their delivery is, hey, you know, turn off that television. Come here, sit down. Bring your Bible. Open your Bible. We're going to study. No, 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 no. Don't study. You know, listen. This is now we got. This is important. You know, we got. Our, and the kid is just like, just kill me. You know, 
And, and so what, what, this is what I love about Deuteronomy 6, and, and, and it's like, look, the word, first of all, it's got to be in your heart. That's a, that's a whole message all by itself. Take a walk with that. Because, you know, if it's not in your heart, then you're going to be the dad that basically says, you know, well, this is what you should do. And the kid looks at you from 10 miles away and is like, well, you don't ever do that. It's not, you don't really care. I mean, they're just words, you know. Apparently, it's important for me, but, you know, it's not important for you. And, and, and I see this a lot. This is, this is where, you know, bitterness, resent, anger, and, and rebellion comes from when the kid's like, you're such a hypocrite. The stuff you're telling me you don't do. So it's got to be something that's in your heart. But he says, teach them diligently to your children. Here's the point that I was making. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Here's the attitude. The attitude is, is that you teach your kids the moral reason why as you just go through life. I've talked about this before. You've probably heard me talk about this before. It's super important. Just being able, and everything's a teachable moment. You know, everything that you do is a teachable moment. The kid, you know, in the grocery store melting down and you say, well, there, you know, what, what's going on there? You know, and why, what's wrong? What's wrong with that child's behavior? Do you see how, you know, this looks? Do you see how his behavior is causing, disrupting everything? You know, what's wrong with that? And have your kids, you know, tell you, whatever. And, and so, you know, you go through everything in life as a teachable moment. Um, you know, they have friends and, you know, the one, you know, kid has made some really train wreck decisions in their life and they're going through some consequences and you can just delicately point from the outside, do you see why we tell you that, you know, we're not going to allow you in those situations? This is why. These are the, these are the reasons. You want to constantly be using the teachable moments in life. And if you just go through your kid's life with them and you'll instruct them in the things that, that you see along the way, these, these are the things that will, the lessons that will stick with them, these object lessons. So, not provoking your kids means you treat them with loving tenderness. It means you communicate your expectations. Thirdly, not provoking your kids means that your expectations, your rules, your discipline, it has to be consistent consistency. And, and again, I just ask you the question, are you consistent with the children? See, because what happens so often is if, if your kids don't know who's going to show up that day, if your kids don't know, you know, they've got some sort of behavior and, you know, they, if you've had a good day at work, maybe you just sort of, you overlook it. If you've had a bad day at work, you just lower the boom on them. And so the kid never knows, you know, which dad's coming home, which mom I'm going to be interacting with. And so, you know, the issue is you have to be consistent. The, the standard needs to be established because if your line's always changing and your punishment's all over the map, then you're going to exasperate your child. You're, you're going to frustrate your child. Now, I want to I dig in here. And this is super important because here's what I want you to hear from me, okay? I've been a father for a very long time. Um, I've, I've been a grandfather for a very long time. I've been a pastor for a very long time. So, so not only do I have a lot of track record with what I'm talking about experientially um, in my own home, but I've got a track record from what I'm talking about in my interaction with other families, okay? And, and, and hear me when I tell you this. What happens most often 
in our Christianity isn't that we don't know what to do. It's that we don't do what we know. And so when I'm talking here, this information, you might just go, because a lot of it, you know, there's, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said, right? And, and, and so a lot of this stuff, maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've heard me talk about it before. Because listen, this isn't the first time that I've, I've taught through these issues of parenting. The Bible speaks about it in a few different places. And when we're there, I teach it. And God's word doesn't change and his standard doesn't change. So basically the things that I'm instructing you in aren't changing. But a, a lot of times what we go is, oh, I've heard this before. Uh, okay, great. Are you doing it? Because chances are you're not. So what I want to do is I want to talk about specific action plans for how you cannot frustrate your kids and how you can make the expectations and the rules and the discipline consistent in your home. And so let's just spend a little bit of time in this and let's go through it. Now, first thing I would tell you is that you need to have a plan for parenting. You need to have a plan for your parenting. Let me just ask you the question, uh, you know, just as we start, do you have a plan? Because um, a lot of people, they're, they're like, you know, yeah, my plan is I'm going to raise a kid that I don't want to murder. And, uh, you know, as long as I get him to 18 and out of the house, then I've done my job. Not a good plan. See, you need to be able to, to have that plan in place. It's been said if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. So, so in terms of having a plan, first thing I would say is the, the, the first thing on your list should be training. Okay, so for you, if you're going to have a plan, the first thing you need to plan on is you yourself need to be trained, all right? And, and so, you know, this, this, is, this is certainly true for those of you that, are, that have young families, um, but it's, it's equally as true for those of you that, that haven't started your family yet. Uh, so you, you want to read, you want to take classes, you want to take workshops, Listen, the writer of Proverbs says this, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Again, Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Now, the Bible says it. If you hate correction, you're stupid. So, so the issue here is you want to be able to get, you get training, get instruction. Now, you go, okay, fine. You know, I, I, I get it. All right. If you've got young kids and you've never taken, I mean, we, we offer parenting classes all the time here at the church. And if, if you've never taken it, then I would say, look, that's on you. Because, because we, we offer these, these classes. This training is, is available. There's plentiful training that's available online. There's some awesome books that, that we can recommend for you. And, and so if, if you've never done that, then you've failed at this point. It's just it's information that's not acted upon. It's just, it's just theoretical. It's just information. So, so you, if it's available to you, but you never have done it, then there's a problem. So, so, hey, training, that's the first one. The other thing I would say in regards to having a plan is you need to be discipled. You need somebody who can personally uh, advise you. Now, what Brenda and I did in this situation was we sought out parents that we could meet with, have coffee with, have meals with, to specifically ask them for advice and counsel about how they raise their kids. Now, what we didn't do in, in soliciting that was just ask anybody, because, you know, some people, you know, you watch the way they parent, and that's 
you know, maybe an object lesson of what not to do. Um, and so, so the, the key here is what we would do is we would see those kids that were behaving in, in, a, in a proper way, in a biblical way, and we would say, hey, you know what, their parents did something right. And so we would, we would look for those kids that we admired, their behavior, and then we would talk to their parents. What on earth did you do? How'd you do it? And, and so we would make a, a point of doing that. And not only would we do that, but we would find those that, that are in the, the next season of life. And so, you know, if, if they were, you know, if our kids were toddlers, we'd look for uh, kindergarten kids that were behaving well. If they were in elementary school, we'd look for middle school kids that were behaving well and find their parents and so on and so forth. If we've got high schoolers, you know, then we want to find young adults that, that are, you know, behaving well. Maybe we'd, we'd sit and talk with them. What did, what did your parents do with you? How did you turn out so wonderfully? We really did this, you know, and, and there's a lot of wisdom there. Again, the writer of Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Again, Proverbs twenty eighteen says, plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel wage war. It, it, that, it, that fits, doesn't it? Raising kids is a battleground, right? So you want to seek out that wise counsel in, in what you're going to do. Last thing that I would say in this regard is you want to establish, you know, a, a plan, a family roadmap, if you will. You want to be able to, to say, okay, what are we going to do with our family strategically, and, and am I going to map this thing out? Again, Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, and that word hasty literally means to be pressed or rushed, so the plans of everyone who is pressed or rushed, who is hasty, leads surely to poverty. And so the, the issue here is that you want to be able to sit down and, and map out with a specific plan what you're going to do with your kids. And what I would say is start with you know, a, a one-page plan. And on your one-page plan, you want to basically, and you want to make it age-appropriate for your kids, but you want to have three components in this one-page plan that you'll put, it, that you'll put together. And, and so what you want to have is the ABCs of your family, you want to have the ABCs of your faith, and you want to have the ABCs of your follow-through. In other words, this is, this is who we are as a family, and, and you know, this is where you map out your morals and your values, and you, you, know, you call a family meeting, and your kids, all, they'll all be like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to have this family meeting. And then they you know, are trying to suppress a smile because they love the fact that you've called a family meeting. And then you're going to sit down, and you, you just pass this out, and you go over with everyone. Look, this is the ABCs of us. This is who we are. This is our morals. This is our values. And, and you give it to your kids. This is, this is who we are. You know, we are, we are, we are children of the Lord. My dad used to tell me growing up, you don't belong to me, Teddy. You belong to the Lord. And I got to give an account of my life before the Lord of how I raised you. Usually he would say that when he was taking his belt off to spank me. But it left an impression in more ways than one. Because what my dad was conveying to me in that regard was, look, you need to understand the ABCs of how we operate. And what he told me first and foremost was the way I operate, Ted, is I'm going to raise you to honor God. Because I honor God. And so this is, you want to be able to communicate to your kids, look, this is who we are. And, and so this is our morals, this is our values. Uh, and, and then, you know, the ABCs of your faith. In other words, the, the practical application of, look, I'm not going to be just a hearer. 
I'm going to be doer of God's word. And, and then finally, the ABCs of your follow through. What do I mean by that? We'll turn to Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Just to the right, a few books there. We'll start in verse 6. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seems best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now the big idea here that, that the writer of Hebrews, I believe the Apostle Paul makes, basically is saying this, look, God is a loving father, and you know he's a loving father because he chastens you the way a father does. And he, he's you making the example of, you know, look, if you've got a dad who doesn't chasten you, he doesn't love you. That's paraphrase mine, but that's basically what he's saying. But no, if your dad loved you, he chastened you. And so the big idea that Paul is conveying here is that, look, God loves you, and that's why he's going to chasten you. But the, the, what I want you to see is that a loving father actually chastens his son. I want you to see that what you have there, and I'll sum it up with one word, follow through. Follow through. See, all of this is just abstract information if you're not putting feet on it. There has to be a follow through. And so the issue here is that when you go through the ABCs, you've got you, to gotta lay out for your kids the ABCs of your follow through. Look, I will follow through on what I'm talking about here. And so what you want to do is you want to give them tools for personal responsibility and self-control, okay? You might even want to jot that down. Give tools for personal responsibility and self-control. Now, here's what I'd say about this. As I glance at the clock, see how much time I've got before I go off on a tangent. With your kids and raising them up, um, I guess I'd say it this way. Do you know those issues that you keep going over and over and over with your kids and they've got the audacity to look you in the eye like it's the first time in their life they've ever heard you say it? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, I'm going to jail for murder right now. I'm, I'm going to kill you. Because, because you know, it's, it's sometimes it's like, are, are, we, are we arguing about this again? I mean, this, what is this mark? Yes, this marks seven years that I've been telling you this. I've been telling you this for seven years, every single blessed day of your life. And you're going to look there, look me in the eye and tell me this is the first you've heard it. I can't believe it. Well, what we've done, and I'm just telling you what I've done. These tools are available on our website for you. I've talked to you about them before. Maybe you've heard them before. You're going to hear me talk about this and you're going to like, oh yeah, Pastor Ted, I've heard you say that before. All right, you do it. Okay, so what I did is I came up with what we call the top 10 list. I identified the 10 things in my family 
that drove me absolutely crazy because I would tell my kids this multiple times a day and they wouldn't do it. And it was always just this fight for me to get the kids to do what they already knew they were supposed to do. So I said, that's it. I'm not going to fight about it anymore. I'm putting it on the refrigerator, the top 10 list, top 10 things that drive me crazy. Now, let me give you an example. I can't remember what time it was, but let's, I think, you know, we got to get the kids to school. Let's say we had to leave the house at 8 o'clock, okay? And, and frequently what would happen in my home prior to the top 10 list was that 8 o'clock would come around and I'd tell the kids, hey, you ready to go to school? They'd be like, what? <laughs> we have this conversation every single day, okay? <laughs> so I'm not having this conversation anymore. So what, one of the things that went on the top 10 list was at 8 o'clock, you will be in the car, with your homework, and your books, dressed, please, with, you know, whatever you need for your meal for that day. And that's personal responsibility. That takes me away from having to play, you know, nanny daycare to say, you know, now, honey, here's your book, and run it along. Oh, get your homework, and I want to raise an adult. I don't want to raise somebody who needs to be babied their whole life, okay? So top ten list. This is what your responsibility is. And it was on there. Now, um, if they wouldn't have that done for whatever reason, I had another list. It was a, it was a discipline list. And, and we called it 31 flavors because there's 31 days of, of the month, of most months. And so whatever the date was, takes all the guesswork out of your discipline. A lot of times your discipline with your kids falls flat because, you know, you're so exasperated in the moment that you blurt something out that you know you're never going to follow through with, and worse, your kids know you'll never follow through with it. And they're natural-born gamblers, by the way. They will bet the house that you're going to either, you know, blow up, blow your life. Oh, you're going to be grounded for a year. They're like, yeah, that'll last a couple of days, you know. And so they'll bet that, that that's what you'll do. So the discipline list takes all the guesswork out. It's the ninth, and you didn't get in the car at eight o'clock, so whatever's Written on the ninth, that's what you're doing when you get home. And what I did for the disciplines for our house is I, I think a discipline has to contribute to the benefit of the family. And so our discipline would be uh, some sort of a chore that would benefit the family. It's not going to benefit me at all if your discipline is you're going to be sitting in your room all day when you get home. You know, send me to my room. I'll take that discipline, right? I'll go read a book or whatever it is. So your discipline is going to be, hey, uh, guess what? You're going to wash my car. Uh, you're going to vacuum the whole house. You're going to wash the baseboards, whatever it is. Cinderella, Cinderella, get to work, you know? And so that was the discipline. And, and it, it was great, you know? And my wife would have fun with this. You know, the kids would be, dis, would be disobedient in some area, and she'd be like, oh, it's the 10th, and oh, you got to wash my car. Thank you. You know, and, and the kids would hate it, but, you know, this is the idea here. So you, you have to have this, this, this plan that's outlined, and you need to be able to go, look, here it is. The, we're not going to fight about these issues anymore. There's a lot more I could say about that. I just want to get rolling for time's sake. That's the idea. So um, you want to be able to have, you know, be, in implementing this, you want to have a meeting before the meeting. You and your wife sit down, say, okay, let's go over these issues. Let's talk about these issues. Let's get all of these issues together. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Then you get your kids all together and you go through all of this stuff. And listen, not only, so that's your plan for parenting. You have to have a process for parenting, okay? Here's the process. You have the plan. 
you make corrections as needed, you follow through, okay? And, and then as your kids grow, you need to give them some, some room to reason, okay? So what happens is when your kids get older and they want to talk about a particular issue or a particular thing, if my kids came to me and were respectful and said, hey, listen, I want to talk about this issue, I would say, absolutely, let's sit down and talk. And they might say, hey, you know, I disagree with this. I know we did this, you know, this was your, your, what you had us do, you know, when I was younger, but now I'm a little bit older and I would like my curfew to be an hour later or whatever it is. And I would sit down and talk with them. And if my kids could make a case, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds reasonable, sure. We'll, we'll let you d- your curfew be an hour later. And, and so you want to be able to you, you be approachable with your kids and, and to be able to go through that and give them room to reason. And uh, listen, the last thing is you want to love them and enjoy them. That's the issue. And so when, when Paul here is, is saying, look, you fathers don't provoke your children uh, to wrath, but you need to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Look, if you do a good job in that, ultimately what you want to be able to do is enjoy your kid's company. And I'll just simply tell you this, that, that again, for me, this is an abstract information I'm giving you, okay? Nobody's perfect. Certainly my family's not perfect. But I've raised three children to adulthood. They all love the Lord. They're all walking with the Lord. They're all honoring the Lord. And you know what? We enjoy one another's company. And, and so it, it's, it, to this day, you know, I'll get a call from one of my kids. Hey, can we get together? You, know, you, you do something right when your kids want to get together with you. Hey, let's, let's spend time together. So, so you want to be able to do this. And, and I want you to, to understand as I close in prayer, I want you to understand that there are seasons to life. Writer of Ecclesiastes says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And the situation that you're in right now and the raising of your kids, there's seasons to it. And it goes by really fast. And what you don't want to have happen to you is you don't want to get to a place where you look back and you've got regret because you blew it with your kids. And I, I see it a lot, and you can't get it back. You're going to have regrets with your kids. You will. There's just, we're human, we make mistakes. You want to mitigate that and have as little regret as you possibly can. Okay? So my exhortation to you as we close in prayer is to just simply take a walk with, are you on the road to regret right now with your kids? Maybe you're hearing the message I gave where I talked about last times. Those last times come and go. And you, you always remember the first times. You never remember the last times. And they're not fair because all of a sudden you look back and you go, oh, we used to do this. When did, when did I stop doing that? When did my son quit asking me to tell him a story at bedtime? When, when was the last time that I did this or that with my kids? You don't want to have those last times just drift away. You really want to be attentive with your kids. You want to raise them to be obedient.